Pompey coasted to victory yesterday with the defence and David Button in particular all at sea. The good ship Reading isn't sinking just yet, however, as we aim to stay afloat this coming week with two home games in quick succession. Joining myself and Ross this week on our 30th episode, would you believe, episode 371 is Sarah Turner. Sarah, did you like my sea-themed introduction? It was amazing. Thank you. I worked really hard on it. <laughs> Do you get inspired when you are down there on the coast, or uh, you know, are you not? Is is Fratton even on the coast? It's a bit of a myth, really. It's sort of because because everyone thinks that Portsmouth's got a beach and it hasn't. It's the beach uh-huh. is in South Sea. Um, Isn't South yeah. Portsmouth then? Well, sort of is. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but it, that's not the point, Sarah. People get it geographically wrong all the time, and mm. it annoys me. I see. Hi. Ross, do you like my new top? I got it in the Adidas outlet. It's very nice. Yeah, it yesterday. does look like an Inter Miami shirt. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll wear mine next yeah. time too, and we can go flamingos together. Um, so yeah. So for those those people that are listening to audio only version of this, uh, it's it's basically like an Adidas. It's black and it's got a, a like the lines, the the stripes. Uh, what, what what would you call them, Sarah? Electric pink, shocking pink, yeah, hot pink. Yeah, I was going to say that's the yeah, word. Yeah, I agree with Sarah. Um, Anyway, we digress. We're here to talk about football. But before we do that, thank you very much, as always, to our uh, sponsors, ZCZ Films. Um, The the kind of the main guy for that, you you may or may not know him, but he's he's really, really big in the art world. Um, Guy called uh, Valdemar. And basically, he sent me, or I asked him to basically just look to give us some information about your your latest show, which is which is quite big, actually. Um, and he's basically, uh, he's got this thing out called Arts Wildest Movement Mannerism. Uh, it's a three-parter on Sky Arts. First two parts of, uh, in fact, all three parts yeah. are, are already out, um, which I guess you can you can catch up on on demand or whatever. But yeah, apparently it's massive. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it. It's I don't good. Know about he's a, it, but, he's um, a zany and engaging commentator. It's worth checking out. Yeah. And he's, he's very, very generous. So yeah. Um, Thank you very much indeed to uh, those guys and, of course, to Valdemar and, of course, to you guys for listening to this uh, episode 371. We're going to get into the recap uh, with an interesting day on the South Coast against Portsmouth. So we're going to do that uh, after this short break. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films. Reading's oldest ultras. Right, Sarah, let's start with you. Um, you were down there yesterday, weren't you? Uh, yeah. Interesting ground. They've done a lot of work to it. I think the improvements are good, personally. Um, I don't know what the ladies' toilets were like, but the blokes were really, really nice, I have to say. <laughs> really nice. Um, I did not get... try them, I have to say, so I don't, I don't know. But it was very wow. different the last time I went there. I was really impressed. It is. I like the I like the safe standing. I'm a big fan of that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the changes to the lineup because I was I was a little bit surprised when I saw the news around about two o'clock. Um, Sarah, what did you what did you make of the uh, I say the additions, but the kind of the swaps that that Ruben Sellers made to the to the starting eleven ahead of the game. Um, I was a bit surprised that Charlie didn't get a start, to be honest. I thought he'd probably done enough in the last few games that he deserved to start the game. 
Um, really glad to see Andy Eardham back and not surprised to see that Sam Smith wasn't starting. So I, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I, having watched the, the Fleetwood game, I kind of felt that that Kelvin was a little bit high out to dry. And we've said that before in, in you know, on previous episodes, but he just, he's just not a striker in, you know, in my opinion. And it was interesting to see, you know, Sellers kind of stick with him up front and, and not start Smith because I kind of, I was led to believe that Smith had trained for the last sort of two or three days and was fully fit and ready to go. Um, do you think, Sarah, that he kind of, he was keeping Sam Smith back to, to maybe change the game late on or, or more importantly, kind of keeping him for uh, that kind of crunch tie on Tuesday at home to Port Vale? Yeah, I think um, I read somewhere that he'd said Sam Smith was only ever going to do 40 minutes. So I think he probably thought he'd protect him, see what Kelvin could do to start off with. And if we didn't need Sam Smith, not put him on. That's I think he was protecting him for Tuesday. And, I, you know, I guess really, Ross, the, the first... The first half an hour, 35 minutes were, were really positive, you know, in, in my opinion, certainly mm-hmm. from where I was standing in the in the corner of the away end. Um, what, yep. you know, what kind of happened after we conceded the first goal? And don't say we conceded another three because everyone knows that. But, you know, defensively, we just sort of fell apart, didn't we? What, you know, what, what was the reason for that? Um, I think there are a couple of things going on. So the the first thing I want to call out is that I think I thought the Abu Kamara on the right for Portsmouth had a really good game. Um, and at the same time, Clinton Mola had a up and down kind of game. Um, and that was causing us issues. He did actually manage to stop Kamara a few times. Um, but other times Kamara was able to get down that wing. Um, and, and I think a couple of the goals, um, have Kamara either nearby, um, or certainly in the buildup for the goal, you know, they, they, they're tending to come towards the outside of the box over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I thought we played really well for the, for the first half hour. It's one of the best halves of football that we played, you know, all season. Um, but if you don't take your chances against really, you know, the top of the league away, um, then it is inevitable that eventually you're, you're going to get hit. This happened against Portsmouth at home, right? We got two. And that wasn't enough because they're, you know, they're still a good team. So um, I, I think there's a couple of things going on. I, mean, I thought that it was actually the fullbacks that were getting a little bit targeted rather than the midfield yesterday. I did think it was a bit odd that Savage didn't start, but I, I think mostly that's just because there's a lot of games in, in February um, and he had played on, on Tuesday night as well. Um, but I thought it was more the fullbacks and especially down Mola's side where, where we were kind of, we just got picked apart in those, uh, it was almost in like a 15-minute stretch. I don't even think that the last half hour of the game was that bad for Reading. I just think that game state-wise, it had unfortunately passed us by by that point. I mean, I, I had the absolute misfortune of, of standing next to Sim, our esteemed editor, for the whole... Well, not the whole 90 minutes, because I, I did leave at 4 nil. I have to say, I was like, I've had enough of this. Um, and I went to Gunworth, and I bought this, as I've already said. Nice. Um, you know, did you go to the Cadbury shop? Wait, actually, that's my yeah. favourite part of Portsmouth. <laughs> I definitely yeah. went to the Cadbury shop. Do you know what? They yeah. had those, um, they, they, used, they do like animal biscuits, but at Christmas they do, I think, yeah. like friends or something. And they had those, and they were on special offer, I guess, because they were kind of near in the sell-by day. Bought two nice. boxes. Didn't eat them on the way out. Nice. So probably won't nice. share them, actually. Don't tell anyone. Send um, me something next time, because it's almost Easter, so I'm excited. I'll be getting my uh, Easter care package from the UK soon. Well, we'll, we'll talk about Portsmouth as a, as a place in a little bit, because I'll, I'll add to that, but I will. I'm going to go down again pretty soon, and I'll, nice. I'll tell you why nice. later on. Um, but anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Sim. 
and uh, he was like, I was I was whinging about a team selection. He said, "What what is it about sellers?" And I just, uh, as 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 regular listeners will know, I'm not I'm not sold on him at all. I, I respect him for the job that he's done in in very difficult times. Uh, I kind of I like the fact that he, you know, when he when he does interviews, he's kind of seems very very solid. But I just feel that he's almost trying to be too clever. And and this. You know, the, the game yesterday was, for me, sort of a hangover from the Fleetwood game where we were kind of, you know, we were all right up until the 90th minute when he made those subs and then obviously ended up conceding a very, very late goal, which, you know, it, it is what it is. But I just I just felt yesterday that it was an opportunity for those players that have been playing so well to really test themselves against top of the league. And, you know, let's be honest, Portsmouth, as you said, Ross, are a good side. Um, yeah, but we just we just victims of our own downfall, and you know, in terms of that team selection, I just felt there was players that that really could have made a difference, and and kind of really could have had a foothold in that game. You know, for the first thirty five minutes, we had a lot of possession. Um, we looked pretty lively going forward, and I just felt if we'd had Sam Smith in those four positions, we might have nicked a goal earlier on than 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 you know what we did. Yeah, it's possible because Makairu's put one over from a hip Hatcherman's cross back into the box. And that was something Kelvin was doing really well yesterday was instead of staying totally central, um, as he kind of did the first time he was played at that central striker role, he was more drifting into the half spaces, which I think is really important for Kelvin. He's a guy that needs to build up a bit of a head of steam, um, in, in my opinion. So um, if that chance that falls to Makairu falls to Smith, yeah, I think it ends up in the back of the net because I don't think Smith puts the ball over from two yards out. I mean, Sarah, we, we have to talk about the hippo in the bath here, really, because, you know, defensively we weren't great. And I know, I'm not I'm not asking Ross because I know exactly what he's going to say and anyone who, who kind of reads his ratings, uh, unluckily for you guys, will, will know how he feels about this particular player. Um, David Button, Sarah. What yeah, yeah. what are we to do with David Button? I don't know. It's, it's difficult because I'm not sure that he's been that tested in the last few games that we've had. And he has had a few howlers across the season. But we're in League One. We're struggling. And were we going to get a better goalie than David Button? I mean, he has made some good saves sometimes. Yesterday or Saturday wasn't one of them. Do you? Yeah. Do you trust? I, him? Hold on, Ross. You can have your say in a minute. Oh no, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great Ross question. Show, I'm gonna shut up. Do yep. you do you trust David Button? Yes or no? I don't. We've got a lot of choice, have we? You've got to trust him. Sarah, don't dodge the question. Do you trust him? Yes or no? I mean, do I trust him? Do I trust him to save goals? Do I trust him? Um, I trust him 60% of the time. Do you, do you know you're good at this? This is this is what happens when you're ahead of star, right? You can you can answer questions and people let you get away with it. Honestly. Um, Ross, let's let's come to you then, because obviously there's been a lot of chat about David Button, and for me, he was at fault for well. He could say all goals, I guess, really, because he let them all in. But certainly mm. the first goal, he was he was like an Asian salmon getting down to that. And and quite frankly, I I I probably would have been able to, to get something on that and clear it out. What what are we what are we going to do in this situation? Do, does Pereira come in on Saturday, Tuesday, even? Like what what is the vibe here? 
if we don't bring Pereira in on Tuesday, I don't think he's going to play in the league this season unless we're like well clear of relegation, you know, in the last five games. And and then it's like, all right, whatever, let's see what we got. Um, Button's an interesting one. I, I want to point out before I start digging him out that he has had two good games recently. And it's a shame that he had a bad game on Saturday because Fleetwood on Tuesday was one of his good games. So... I think I watched. I think I watched every single save that Button has made in a Reading shirt yesterday, um, and a lot of them came against Fleetwood and against Cheltenham. Um, two two games whereby Reading were really struggling um, and and being pushed back, and and Button was able to to make quite a few saves. Now that said, a lot of those saves, as I'm watching them, are um, they're quite close to his body. He's quite good at the. Um, he can get down low within like a yard or two of himself for, for headers that come down and things like that. Um, but the speed with which he gets down and gets across his goal is pretty poor. Um, so statistically in league one, um, he is the, well, Reading statistically in league one are the second lowest in uh, save percentage for, for goalkeeping. Um, I don't think save percentage is a perfect stat in, in, in football, but uh, it's at least indicative of something going on. Um, Button is in the bottom third of the league for saves. He's in the bottom third for goals conceded per 90. Um, and the, the real, the best stat that, that I would say for assessing goalkeepers is probably expected goals on target faced versus how many goals they actually conceded. So this is going to tell you, once the ball has left the foot of the player, how likely is it that that goes in the back of the net? Um, or how often in previous games over the course of years has it happened that that's gone into the back of the net? Button um, has faced about 41 goals on target so far this season, and he's let 46 in. So he's about five behind um, where he should be over the course of the whole season, basically. So I think he's certainly, in, like I said, against Fleetwood and Cheltenham, um, kept us in some games sometimes and, and done some good stuff with us but overall he's just not someone i trust to make saves um on a consistent basis and even an, at league one level he's in the bottom third bottom half for basically every statistic so I, I think he's been a good lad to have around this season but i don't see him being the keeper that helps us get out of league one i mean over the last uh 10 years these are the, the kind of goalkeepers that we've had that have, have played the most in terms of minutes in those seasons, if that makes sense. So I'll start kind of oldest first. So Federici, Al Habsi, uh, Vito Manoni, uh, Martinez, World Cup winner Martinez, Raphael, Luke Southwood, Joe Lumley, and now currently David Button. Where in that ranking, Sarah, would you put David Button compared to those? He's going. Um, he's going near the bottom. Um, okay. I don't know. Joe Lumley at times was a bit iffy. Yeah. So I might put him above Joe Lumley. And Ali Al Habsi was good, but at the beginning again, he was Ali Al Flapsy for quite a long time. Um, <laughs> nice. That's a great like that plan works. Yeah, very great. good. Yeah. You can come again. You just named the that. podcast for us, Sarah. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> Ross, out of Emmy though, can he? Because Emmy was amazing. True. Yeah, was, no, Emmy was one of my favourite. Yeah. Well. He was yeah. such a good Emmy got my uh, player of the season um, nod that year. Mm. I, just, I thought he was an amazing player. I mean, you know, there's, there's kind of a, this is a bit loaded really because Ross is going to do 
sort of a video and and has done a lot of research on David Button and the kind of key areas of goalkeeping. Um, out out of that particular list, Ross, who mm-hmm. who goes top for you? And not I'm not talking about in terms of what they've achieved in football, but what what they were doing for us. Oh yeah, I mean I. Uh... I think in terms of the importance that it will be Emmy, like I, I loved Emmy that season. And I also think that in crucial games, um, he he earned us points we had no business earning. There was the nil-nil against West Brom that, uh, kept a, that finally mathematically kept us up that season. Um, and Emmy just basically decided that no one was getting by him that day. Um, and obviously we've seen now that he is just a fantastic player, but that's not, not what Federici did, um, for Reading as well. And, and obviously, uh, helped us get through that FA cup run that, that saw us get to Wembley as well. So, um, yeah, I got a, I got a big soft spot for, for feds. Definitely. Well, statistically out of that list. Yeah. Uh, Raphael had 17 shutouts. You like that one? Mm. I could have said clean sheets, but I didn't because I know that you... Raphael was very good for Reading in that first season. It yeah. often goes under um, under said, but Raphael won... I, I bang on about this every time it's mentioned, but Raphael won the Athletics um, goalkeeper of the season, the championship that season. Mm. He was in a championship team of the season with Ollie Watkins and Calvin Phillips. Um, he had a really good season. And I think that as we've seen with other Poundovich you know, eras um, since then. It's just the second season under Paunovic. Something seems to shift. I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because for me, it's been a really sticky area. You know, we've had, in those last 10 years, we've had two seasons where we've played four goalkeepers, <laughs> which is frightening, really. You know, and there's been a lot of seasons where we've played three and obviously, you know, two sort of chip in as well. But, I mean, it, it has been an issue for a long time. And, and we've got a question in the mailbag about you know, about button and finances and everything else. But, you know, you have to say, regardless of what league we're in, the goalkeeping spot has, has surely got to be number one priority, or at least up there with the priorities for, for next season. And, I, you know, I don't want to turn this into, a, you know, a David Button bashing pod, but he was pretty poor yesterday. And Portsmouth didn't have yeah. to work very hard in terms of getting those four goals. And, you know, when you're when you're looking for for players that that you want to be informed in terms of a relegation battle, you're looking to your goalkeeper to go. We need to be able to trust you, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like that, the goal that a lot of people said was a foul, which I don't think it was. He, you know, he's got to come out with both hands and grab that and just sit on it. Like he he really really has got to be brave and command it. And it's it, it's difficult because he doesn't look like a player in confidence at all. And, and as you to said, me, it's communication too, Ben, in that state, right? Because yeah. like he didn't need to be in that position in the first place. A breath is already yeah. there, and a breather in that. If you, when you when I watch that back, is just standing there, like, wait, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? But doesn't he um, jump into so, him? Yeah. Doesn't the Pompey player jump into him and knock him? I don't think there's enough aggression in him, Sarah. I, I don't like you've, you've seen him given. You know, there's players that do that and, and make a good living out. Kiefer Moore is a, is a good example. You know, I like him as a player, but he always jumps up with his elbows up high. And you know, certainly when he plays for Wales, he's always getting penalised for that. But there, I don't think there was anything really malicious or aggressive in. You know, the Portsmouth players jumped up. He's, he's got to get leverage with his arm, and it, it it just I think it's just poor goalkeeping. I really do. Um, but you've seen him given, you know, the, the inconsistency of the referee in this season. You, you you can probably watch a game Tuesday night and something like that will, will be given. So it's it's difficult. But I just, you know, I, I, it is a, an area of concern that, that I am, 
getting concerned about. <laughs> Does that where else to sugarcoat it, really? Like, it, it is a worry for me. Um, I mean, just to kind of wrap up Portsmouth in, in terms of the, the game itself, do you, do, you know, do you think, Sarah, that we were 4-1 bad in that game? Like, did we deserve to lose 4-1, basically? Well, if you... If you divide it up into two halves, I mean, I know we kind of do, but like the first 30 minutes, we were literally incredible. It was so exciting. And Mm -hmm. I really thought we were probably going to win or we at least were going to draw, which would have been an absolutely amazing result. I think we all went thinking we could get an absolute pasting, but we played so well that it made you really excited. And then it made the second half worse because we'd been so good in the first half. So then it felt really flat. And that we were rolling over, and then we probably did deserve to lose four one. It, it was sort of a progressive collapse, wasn't it? I mean, second half we just came out and we just looked like the players had gone. Do you know what? Let's just get out of it. Um, you know, the atmosphere was was hefty, shall we say? Like there were some interesting bits going on, sort of in the stands. But you know, realistically, I, I think I was probably more annoyed with the result than I thought I would be in terms of the the way that we started so well. Um, Ross, in terms of, of, of moving forward, really, where where do you stand on this kind of, I say, fake rivalry with, with Portsmouth currently? Because it's it's all got very, very bizarre on social media, hasn't it? I can say what I like because I'm from Southampton. So, you know, <laughs> screw them, the skates or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, it's been an odd one, hasn't it? I, and uh, I know that some of the other fans around League One have reached out to us to be like yeah they could be an interesting lot so i'm not going to tar a bunch of you know a whole fan group with with you know the the feathers of random people on, on social media but it did all kick off a little bit this week didn't it which was kind of funny i don't know i i, I you know it's football sometimes you get some interesting groups and portsmouth have always been a notorious fan base to my mind but again, I grew up with my dad, you know, singing anti-Portsmouth songs. So I might not be the right person to ask there. Real real quick, on, on everything, basically, yesterday and over the course of the game, we were better than them. I mean, 57% possession, beat them on expected goals, beat them on shots on target, shots, everything. Um, we just had button let goals in at crucial moments, basically. And that is... They talk about it a lot in football, in, in American football. I hear it sometimes in in soccer football, but not as much. But those 15 minutes either side of halftime are the most important part of the game. That's, I think, the, the, the part that psychologically affects you the most. If you go in 1-0 down, it's very different to having played really well and then gone in 0-0. And then if you come out and you're immediately 2 down... It's like, oh, you know, here we go. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Reading were the much better team. They shouldn't take this as any sort of knock. It's their first loss in a month. Um, yeah, good good performance overall. It was not a 4-1. No. Okay. Um, Did you think yesterday at Portsmouth that um, the atmosphere was quite aggressive, wasn't it? The, their fan base, when they started singing in the three stands, it was full on. And then they it, came out to that really weird music. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't massively keen on the dog mascot either, personally. I think it was a dog anyway. I, I think the weird thing with Portsmouth, so I, I, the, the, the backstory for me is that I was there for three years uh, in the mid-noughties, so 2004 to 2007, and that was like the absolute peak of when Portsmouth were really, really good. 
if that makes sense. And kind yeah. of, you know, in, in that kind of golden era, someone, you know, taxi driver that I had yesterday said to me, you know, that was our golden era. And I always found them um, pretty honest, pretty realistic fans. And, and it was, I wouldn't say it was a pleasure to be around because it never is when you're living in a different city that's not yours. But like, they were all right. And this whole weird thing about, you know, just a very small group of our fans sort of 10 years ago, waving money around and all this pay up Pompey business. Like, it, it just happens. It's just sport. Like, it's just the way that it is in terms of that, you know, that kind of, that, you know, the different conflict between fan bases and stuff. But but some of their reaction over social media has just been so bizarre and really, really strange in terms of the obsession they've got with Reddit. And, you know, you got images of people bringing tennis balls in. They had shirts made. Like, it was just really, really strange. And I think yesterday... You know, they were absolutely desperate to win and their players were, were sort of bang up for it. You know, when the first goal went in, there was um, the, the Northern Irish fellow, was it Lane, I think it was, who, who was kind of giving it really quite aggressively yeah. towards the Redden fans. And I just thought, it's just a bit weird, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit odd because like this, you know, I think you ask most Redden fans and, and Portsmouth don't even come into the, the conversation in terms of rivalries. You know, yeah, it's, I suppose it is local, but we... You know, we said time and again, geographically, we're sort of out of the mix a little bit. But, you know, when you look at Portsmouth, it's like, well, if we if we win, great. If we lose, great. Like, it's not really the end of the world. And they just kind of treated it like it was, you know, like the be all and end all, really. So I, I did I did think some of, this, some of the stuff that was going on yesterday was quite bizarre. Really, really bizarre. Um, anyway, it, that, that's football. That's where we are. You know, I, I guess other clubs will, will revel more in our kind of misery than others. And, and Portsmouth seem to be... One of those fan bases. So, you know, best luck for the season. Um, hope you go up so we don't have to play you next season. We have to put up with this nonsense and, and we can hey, move mate. on from As they would say and will say now, and Sella said a few weeks ago, football is a wheel. Just uh, careful what you do now and uh, when you don't know where your team's going to be in 10 years' time. Exactly. And maybe they're bitter because they've been in this league for what? Eight years, seven years, something like that? Is there, yeah, it's um, been a little while. They haven't looted their way back up the divisions. Let's just put it that way. They have not. That's a great phrase. They haven't lootened their way up. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Very nice. Um, right, let's move on to the mailbag because we've got some uh, some nuggets in there. So we're getting onto that uh, after this uh, short announcement. Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is proudly sponsored by ZCZ Films. Remember, if you want to get involved in sponsoring the show, Drop us an email to the tirelessed end at gmail.com. Right, we're back with the mailbag. We've got a few bits and bobs in there um, today or this evening, rather. Let's start with our good friend Niall at Guilty I Support Reading, Reading 106. Um, he, he's, he's gone for comedy, and this, this kind of caused a really big debate uh, on Tuesday. Um, Apparently, our fans were singing I'd rather be a haddock than a cod to the Fleetwood fans, which I think is hilarious, to be honest. I love that level of humour. Um, I mean, so the, the question that he's posed, Sarah, and we'll start with you, would you rather be a cod or a haddock? God. That wasn't a question I was expecting you to ask me, Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go cod because I just think it's more expensive than a haddock. Oh, you've you've gone finances, have yeah. you? Well, someone's involved in the ownership <laughs> of the club, aren't they? Goodness me, money on the brain, get a life. <laughs> so you're going you're going purely from a financial point of view. You're going cod. Yeah, I, I think it's better quality. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not the most expensive fish, is it? Well, I like it's a, a good nice one, though. Cod. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sticking with it, Cod. All right. Ross, go on then. What are you saying? Uh, Don't skate. say lobster. Fried skates. That's what I want. You guys know, the, the, you just couldn't clarify. People know that Southampton fans call Portsmouth fans skates, right? We know that. I'm just still bashing Portsmouth. Yeah. By the way, with where this this question came from, by the uh, with the with the obviously Fleetwood with their card army, one of the best things about watching clips back on Y Scout is that there's no commentary tracks. So you can just hear the fans really going for it. Um, and I just Reading away fans from Tuesday night. God bless you. All of your card based songs. Um, I just really, really amused me. So it's so a great job. I'm not sure whether I'd rather be a cod or a haddock, but I know that the Reading fans amused me with their "Where's Your Famous Cod Army" songs and things like that. I, I, I honestly thought it was fantastic. I, I really did. It made me laugh a lot. Yeah. And um, I, I then went down a bit of a rabbit hole while I was watching the game because, uh, basically there is actually a, a web page which is called Cod versus Haddock, and um. It's a, it's a thing. They've they've kind of almost like statted up the the different the, the fish, you know, cod and haddock, um, and yeah, it, it looks statistically like cod is the winner. Um, they're massive as well, cod. Like they're really big, not as big as tuna, mm. but like they're pretty big. So I'm I mean I'm going cod. How big yeah. are they? Massive. <laughs> we, we, I, don't, I haven't got the stats to hand. Like I didn't do that much research. I just looked at them and thought, God, they're bigger than I thought they were. But if you, if anyone's listening to this now, just do Cod versus Haddock, and it will come up with a whole web page. Um, so yeah, that's our kind of random question of the day. But I'd, I'd go Cod as well. They're just more versatile, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. And they're just, they're just it's a pretty big fish. Uh, yeah. 88 pounds. Wow. wow. There you yeah. go. Don't know what that is in kilograms, but it's pretty big, isn't it? 40. Anyway. Um, well, this, yeah. Okay. So we've answered that one now. So thanks for that. I knew, I knew it was coming from him. I knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, we've, we've gone cod unanimously yeah. on the, on the pod. Oh, that's rhymes. Pod and cod. Good. Well done. Um, shut up, Ben. Right. Ryan Jeffries, he's back on the pod next week, actually. So catch him uh, live and exclusive uh, next Sunday. If Sam Smith would have started against Portsmouth, would the result have been different? Sarah, what are you saying? Um, I'm not sure because I don't think we could have been that much better in the first 25, 30 minutes. So even with Sam Smith there, I'm not sure it would have been any different. Um, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> I agree with that, by the way. Sam Smith slander as well. No, um, it, it's more David Butler slander. Yeah, I do agree with that. I, the only thing, the only, like I said earlier, the only thing that maybe could have been different is maybe Smith puts that um, that Kelvin cross in that Makaira yeah. puts over the bar and that changes the game state. So maybe a little different um but otherwise no i, I don't think i, I thought reading were all right yesterday like you're saying they were the better team they just suffered from a bit of a goalkeeping howler i think i think the result would have still been the same i still think portsmouth would have you know would have come out winners to to be fair to them um you know I, obviously kamara was the difference i thought as you said earlier i thought it was absolutely outstanding yesterday great great player and, and was having you know, really nice time down that wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel that we probably would have taken the lead 
you know, if, if Sam Smith had been on. I, d- I don't think the result changes, but I think the complexion of the game changes slightly. Um, but, you, you know, he, he starts on Tuesday night because he has to start on Tuesday night. And and we go on to win that game. Then no one cares about the Portsmouth game. Like, quite frankly, I, I don't think anyone's going to be thinking about this game sort of, you know, come half nine or whatever, or, or 10 o'clock on Tuesday mm. night if we beat Port Vale. So... You know, in in that respect, it it probably works really, but it's it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, Benjamin Vickers, uh, Benjamin's pod or Benjamin's mailbag, as we like to call it. Yep. Uh, Makairo or Kelvin at left wing for Port Vale. Been impressed with Makairo in the most part, but he's been chaotic the last two games. Uh, Fleetwood in particular would also make room for Wareham to get a few more minutes. Um, Ross, left wing, what? What would you do for uh, the visit of Port Vale on Tuesday? Um, that's a good question. I'm feeling Kelvin at the moment personally over Makairu. Makairu's performance on um, on Saturday was just the most. I'm not sure what it was the most of. It was just the most. Like there are times when he was doing things that were exceptional, and there were times when he was doing things. So I was like what on earth do you how what was even going through your head at that point the point where he um he smacked it from the left wing back to the Portsmouth striker centrally in our own half that was the point where I was so confused but again Makairo was getting himself into positions when we were attacking well as well there was a point where I wasn't sure if I was going to rate Makairo a four or a seven yesterday um so I I think Kelvin I I don't know if he's the better player, but at the moment he's the more effective player. And if we can get Kelvin and Sam Smith into the same lineup, let's do that. I mean, it's interesting that you were going to give him a four or seven. Would you give him six? In the I end? gave him a five, maybe. I think I, I decided that it matters to me if you've managed to get into good positions. I understand that. Um, you've got to like finish your chances and things like that. But I, I often think that getting into the right position is a very good indicator that there is some talent and some intelligence there. Um, it's what Sterling did really well when, when he was really at his peak. He just arrived in the box at the right time. Um, and that beats defenses because timing is everything in, in football. But yeah, no, he's just a bit mad, isn't he, Makairo? I mean, Sarah, have you have you been impressed with Kelvin in that left wing spot? Because you know, five games ago, whatever, I wouldn't have seen him kind of fitting in there at all. But it's it's almost like it's kind of happened organically. Would you, you know, would you stick with him there for the rest of the season, injuries permitting, and kind of he becomes, you know, the starter in that in that slot? Or do you think that actually there's there's other players that, that could potentially offer more in that left wing role? I think it's difficult. I mean, I've I've enjoyed seeing him out on the left wing. Um, I think you're a bit harsh on Makairu Ross, to be honest. He, he was all right. I think he tried really hard. He does try. Yeah, what are you going to say about that, Ross? I think five, I, with I, numbers. Like I say, it's just the most. I just can't, I can never work out exactly. He, he'll make some incredible, like incredibly skillful plays, but then he'll do something so harebrained, you know, two minutes yeah. later. Um, it's just odd, you know. It, it, a lot happens around him, though, which is a good, is a good sign. I'd but isn't think. that sort of League One inconsistency really? You you expect to have if you were that good and consistent, you wouldn't be playing in League One, would you? It's it's correct. Um, I just wonder if we might have expected more from a, a player who played in the Champions League last season. That is a bit strange, isn't it? But I definitely it think is odd. Yeah, a six and a five. 
Yeah, yeah, that's oh. fair. That's fair. I mean, no one ever asked me what I think on this pod, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I forgot he was playing yesterday, to be honest with you, until he ran right in front of me where I was standing. I, I didn't I didn't notice him at all. Um, and that all automatically gets him a base mark of a five. Um, so for once, I'd, I'd agree with Ross there. I just I just don't think technically he's very good. Um, oh, see, no, that's, and I think there's more potential. That's, that's where I disagree. Yeah. Like, I think technically he's fantastic. It's just intelligence-wise. Mm. And not intelligence as a human. Like, I'm sure he's a lovely, smart lad. I just mean, like, football IQ-wise. Sometimes he just does absolutely mad things. Um, he actually, I just had a quick look. He had the most um, XG plus XA created of any Reading player yesterday. Oh, don't, don't start with that. But then again, he was withdrawn, you know, early. So clearly Sellers wasn't happy either. So who knows? I just, I just, but I think the intelligence is part of the tactical element, isn't it, in a way? Like I just, it, yeah, he might get himself in those positions, but I just, I don't know. Is that because the def- defensively the teams that he's done well against aren't very good? I don't know. Like there's probably... There's probably another video in there for you, Ross, in terms of actually looking at him tactically and decision making wise. But I just don't, I don't think he's great. I'd rather see Kelvin in there personally. Do you know who I, I would have rather seen, Ben? Do you know what's a shame this week? And I know you're going to think this is a shame. Um, I think it's a shame that Hoylett didn't sign with us, given that we need a left winger, and he was training with Reading. Honestly, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I couldn't believe that he was actually he was actually playing or, or training with us, and there was a, the, the slightest possibility they could have resigned. Um, I think that's yeah. That's no, just it, it, that's a pain in the neck. Um, left, he's actually you know, kind of exactly of, what we need right of, now, of both a little bit of he's ended up. Um, experience in the attack and a left side, or you know, a player who can play as a left sided winger. Yeah, would be nice to have him. It's probably just financial, wasn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. That, that is a shame. Um, and if you know, if it was, I think if it was kind of acceptable for an adult to get a name on the back of a shirt, I'd be straight on the on the Aberdeen website doing that. But uh, because I'm 38, I won't. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, right. Well, I think we've done that one to death. Really, we've got a few more bits on button. But before we do that, I just want to go back to some other questions that we've had. Um, this is this is Nile again. Actually, this is a sensible question. Um, would Holmes have have kind of started? Actually, what, what's he trying to say? He says, "Guess Holmes would have been in the squad too if fit yesterday." Um, basically, I think he's just saying, "Would Holmes have made a difference to the team?" Uh, he was actually stood in front of me for the game. He, he was with his mates, and oh, he was looking very inconspicuous. I have to say, but. Uh, I didn't speak to him. I thought it was a bit weird to be honest. I didn't want to hassle him while he was watching the team play. But would would Holmes have made a difference yesterday, Sarah? Do you think? Um, I'd like to think he would have made a difference. I mean, maybe he would have protected Button a bit more. Um, he would have been on there, wouldn't he? If he'd been fit. Yeah, I mean. I, I guess, Ross, it goes to that thing of, of whether or not we think Holmes is actually a better central defender than Mbengue. Because obviously, Binden starts every game, right? If he's fit, he goes straight in. Yeah. You know, number one centre. But, you know, realistically, we're not, we, unless by some freak of nature, Luton decide to loan him back to us next year, we won't have Tom Holmes. Yeah. So I guess, really, is, is Mbengue the future in that role? Or do we need to potentially go and look in the summer for another centre-back? Yeah, I don't know if he's the future of the role. But I I mean, like we pro- we do need to go looking for more centre-backs in the summer. 
you know, because we just lost um, three in the most recent window. And obviously two of the center backs that we brought in for experience in Hutchinson and Dean, I know Hutchinson can play in midfield too. They haven't really worked out. Um, so we definitely need to go back into that. Um, I'm not sure if Holmes will come straight back into the team um, unless it's to give Binden a little bit of a rest once he is fit. Because we talked a little bit about how they they kind of got in each other's way at, at times because they do similar-ish things um, with the ball at their feet. Something that Mbenge, I mean, obviously the long throws have been helpful, but Mbenge has been very helpful for striding out of defense um in in place of abby in the last few weeks so i think we you know i reckon it probably started as a a necessary thing um but it has turned out to be somewhat positive having Mbenge uh in that spot and now that he's had a few games to you know to calm down i think that that, that pairing is actually playing quite well together yeah i mean i, I think there's potential there i i just I do worry about whether or not Binden will be with us next season. Um, you know, I think we said last week he's he's one of those players that I'd look at and go, he's 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 probably of the current crop in terms of decision making. He's one of the better players that we've got, and I think you know realistically he will he will probably look to to be getting a move higher up the, the pyramid really. But you know, if we've got him for another season, fantastic. I think he's been really really good this season. Yeah, um, and and long may it continue. Um, Georgie Dawes, George says, I wouldn't have tinkered with the team, but if it was to rest certain players, then fair enough. It just annoys me that when Savage is becoming integral to the team, he gets dropped. I feel like he gives the team more of a cutting edge when he plays. Thank you, George. I was saying this weeks ago and everyone derided me, misquoted me on it, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's an interesting one. He, he popped up with a goal yesterday. You know, it takes him to, to five or six for the season. Um, I think he would have made a difference. I don't think Wing had a, had a great game yesterday. He's still one of our better players, but I think he needs Savage to, to kind of make him look good and, and to, to play well. I think those two have, have struck up a really, really good um, you know partnership on, on the pitch over the last couple of games. And it kind of says what, what we said earlier in terms of the tinkering and the messing around for, for no reason. But... If he comes straight into the team in, on Tuesday and he, you know, he, he gets us a win, then then no one really cares about the result against Portsmouth. Yeah, I think it's just resting him for a game because, you know, like, like we brought Wing off very early in the game as well and Smith was being managed as well. Like uh, I thought Wing was pretty good yesterday too. I gave him a good um, rating with Craig alongside him. He had a few good shots um, that he got off. He had that free kick that hit the crossbar. Um, so, I mean, he, he had some good moments. Craig had a poor game. They played the same 4-2-3-1. I think that Craig having a poor game um, more highlighted the fact that Charlie wasn't there, uh, personally. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think Wing and Savage, if they're both fit, start on, on Tuesday. Um, I, I don't think the team that we started with against Portsmouth was our full strength at all, certainly not in confidence anyway, but... Um, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see what happens, and and that will be an interesting one to to see at sort of you know seven forty five on on Tuesday evening or whatever. Um, right, a couple of bits on button really, and then we can kind of move on to uh, the rest of the pod. 
Tom Hill uh, contributed. I think he's marked a year this week since he joined the Tilehurst then. So congratulations to him. He's done some really, really good articles. Yeah. Um, just crazy that his first article was um, about Paul Lintz and free agents. And this is where we are now. And that's a year in football at this club. Right. So crazy, crazy times. Um, Button plays a bad game against the top of the league and everyone wants him gone. Yes, he hasn't exactly set the world alight, but he's been decent the rest of the season, in my opinion. Don't want unnecessary team conflict like a ramsdale Raya situation. Controversial, I know. Should Button go? Um, and then we add to that with George, Georgie Dawes again, Pereira for Button. And then finally, John House. Uh, I know we were skint in the summer, but you need a competent goalkeeper. This guy is substandard, even for League One. He's too immobile to get down to low shots and has beaten way too often at the near post, which is poor positioning, schoolboy stuff. Um, final definitive word on the goalkeeping situation, Sarah. Do you drop David Button on Tuesday, yes or no? No. Ooh, you answered that one. Thank you. <laughs> Only okay, because of what? what that would do for his confidence and everybody else. And perhaps you just need a bit of stability. And Portsmouth was a game mm-hmm. that we could afford to lose. We didn't expect to win it. So therefore, by not playing him on Tuesday could affect his confidence going forward. And we need him. We need the whole team to feel really confident. Okay. Ross, do you drop him, yes or no? Uh, I... With the caveat that I, um, you know, with with all of those poor stats for him and everything that that we mentioned earlier, I don't drop him. Still, I think we've, I think the ship has sailed. I think it's too late. I, I wouldn't start messing with the goalkeeper um, with this few games to go. Personally, especially when we've got some nice momentum right now, and if we can just, you know, win, I would say honestly three to four more games, we should be all right. Um, I'd probably not drop him, even though I don't want him to be starting uh, for Reading next season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting one. It's it, I seem to say that a lot on these pods, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer to it. I, I don't think he's very good. I kind of get, you know, both your points, but I just, I don't know. I, I just feel that if he's in a situation where he's costing us points, I, I guess... Uh, you know, you're right. Yesterday, we kind of could have thrown the game and effectively we did. But I don't know. I'm not sure. It would be interesting to see uh, what his confidence level is like moving forward from from the game yesterday. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know how to answer my own question for once, which is which is a first for me. Um, I mean, he's going to look at those anyway, clips. Anyway, we shall move. He'll be in training, looking at those clips, analysing them, and he'll know where he's made mistakes and what wasn't good enough. Yeah, and it's worth saying again that he had a great game on Tuesday. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Sarah, you have been busy for once again, and you have had various meetings with various people, which we shan't mention on this pod, but we can mention because it's out there in the public domain that you meet regularly with Mr. Nigel Howe. Um, have you? Can you talk about it? Basically. Yeah, I can I can share some information. Have you got an exclusive? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The problem is, um, a lot of the information is really commercially sensitive. So mm. there are 
people making bids there are people around interested parties uh, and Nigel really can't share too much information about anybody or what position anyone's in in case it puts off another bidder so mm. it's a, it's a very sensitive time at this moment I think things might become clearer hopefully in a few weeks but right now where there's no one party that's got exclusivity it's it's still up in the air who's going to go forward I mean all jokes aside we'd never want to uh put anything like that in in jeopardy so it is kind of tongue-in-cheek when I say about exclusives um you know I I think really that the key question is and you know this is more from your perspective do you do you feel that we're in potentially a better place now than we were you know three four weeks ago when you started having these meetings for example yes I mean it's for meeting with Nigel, I'm really clear that Nigel is trying to do the best job he can. Um, he's not looking for the highest bidder. He is looking at somebody that can match the ambition that we've got as a club with money going forward and have got a better plans of how they want to take things forward. They've got a proper plan of how they want to take things forward. So I feel really confident that Nigel is doing the best that he can do in, in a difficult situation. You know, he's selling it on behalf of Mr. Dye, which is is difficult. We all know that he's, you know, allegedly quite a difficult person to work with. And Nigel's doing the best that he can do in that difficult situation. I mean, you know, regardless of what, you know, people currently think of Star, what, what people historically have thought of Star, do you... Do you feel that when you have these meetings with him that he is conveying um, the opinions and the interests of fans to potential investors? Or is it literally driven from a commercial sustainable point of view? Well, um, we've written a letter. So when when you're trying to buy a football club, you get access into the data room. So the data room um, is where all the facts and figures and information is. And within the pack that any potential investors get is a letter from supporters trust. So we wrote a letter explaining a little bit about why we felt you should invest in Reading, a little bit about the community, about the town, about the people, uh, you know, the businesses that are are around and the, the way that we as fans feel about the club. So we've put that in there and I I know for a fact it's been given to everybody that expresses an interest and and is making bids so I think they're reading that within that there is an offer to meet so I've said to any potential investor that if they want to meet just to talk about what the fan position is if they want to discuss the protests and I could explain to him to them why we have been protesting then I'd be really happy to do that yeah I mean I I think that's for me as kind of you know a nobody in this in this process as most people are like the fact that there is a dialogue with um you know the supporters trust and the fact that there is there is some sort of engagement with the you know with the wider fan base in general in terms of the you know the the widely accepted aims and ambitions of what we want to do and that's i think well I, i hope i'm right but kind of stability and financial viability in terms of moving forward and to be able to you know, build a platform on, on, on what we want to build moving forward in terms of moving up the leagues. 
but you know the fact that there is that dialogue and that engagement is is absolutely vital um i mean let's let's kind of think outside the box here a little bit ross if if you were if you were in these meetings with potential investors what what would be your tagline about reading football club in terms of them moving forward with with the, the potential sale and their kind of the the roles and responsibilities that we would want new owners to have for our football club i think we want them to have an understanding of how the um you know how the pyramid and the lower leagues and everything works in english football and how a team um can get from you know those leagues back to the premier league or at least being a team um that can compete for the playoffs in the in the championship again because i think that the you can say to owners you know the, the away attendances and the um and the protest and the engagement with the fan base all season just shows what a huge club um, Reading has always been and has especially become, you know, uh, since the John Medeski era and everything. Um, I, I just think that we want them to have an understanding of the, you know, the leg up that they're starting from in League One with that, um, with that backing, with that stadium, with that training ground all of it basically it's a, there's a good project here um you know for for an owner that knows what they're doing um but for me yeah it, it's going to be you know having an ownership group that understands um how to how to progress on the on the football side as well as um just to to give back to the community um but any kind of engagement with the community is going to be better isn't it than than what we've had uh, you know, Sim made a, for once in his life, he made a really interesting point yesterday and he was talking about uh, the Sunderland Till I Die um, documentary on somewhere. Netflix, is it? I Netflix, yeah. I've not watched it. So. Um, I, I watched the Rex and one. I thought parts of it were very interesting. I thought parts of it were very, very cliche personally. But, you know, they're, they're, what they document is a project and a, and a kind of ethos of both of those clubs. And actually, you know, he made the point that, that as a whole, Reading fans don't treat um, Reading Football Club as like the pinnacle of football. There's no kind of airs and grace in terms of thinking we're a football powerhouse because, you know, we're not. You know, we've had some success in the past and it's been built on, on very modest goals and ambitions and, and stuff like that. But actually, there's not there's not a huge amount of, of kind of arrogance within the fan base expecting to be, you know, where we, where we should be. I think really. it's quite a realistic um, fan base. I think... I think yeah. we, we know what our limitations are. We know that financially we've been in a really difficult place and it's going to take a lot of money for someone to get it even again, even without trying to push forward to actually stabilise the club is going to cost a lot of money. There's a lot of investment that needs doing. Um, so I think we're, we're realistic what we want, but someone's got to come in and be open-minded to listen to what the priorities are. Because that I think that will be the difficulty of someone actually working out what the priorities are of what you stabilise first. Um, my my biggest thing, and it's been the, the, the same way for sort of four, five, six years, is that there needs to be a complete 360 diagnostic of, of where the club actually is and actually getting the right people in the right departments and going, right, this is your responsibility these are your aims. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen now, but there is, you know, historically there's been a massive disconnect between the fan base um, and, and the way the club is run and the way that stuff is communicated and the experience and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, is is really, really important to where 
you know, Redham Football Club has been in the past in terms of making people feel connected to it, but actually looking at the, you know, not just the on-the-pitch stuff, but looking at it and saying, well, who's who's picking these players? What What's the scouting department like? What's the relationship with the community trust like? You know, what are we doing in terms of outreach programmes? You know, and that, going back to Portsmouth, that's one of the things they've always done really well is connected with their community, whether we agree with the way they've gone about it or not, regardless of their owners. If you ask most Portsmouth fans, they would say, actually... You know, and you only got to look through their program and look at the kind of the, the schemes that they're running. It's all that sort of stuff. You know, it's the match day experience. It's the way that they welcome fans into the club, and that that's really what we need to be doing as well. And kind of hiring people that are specialised in those areas and saying, "This is your remit. Get us to this point, and take everyone else with you on that journey." So, yeah, I I feel like there is a lot of work to do, but I feel like. There's a lot of stuff that would be very quick wins that would have a legacy, a lasting legacy at the football club. And that's that's kind of what I'm keen to, to see. Of course, I want to see a successful team on a pitch, but actually what I want is something that I enjoy going to and and kind of is is kind of having an impact across the community, you know, in, in the local area really. So it's good that you have those meetings and it's good that you're able to to kind of connect in that way and you know, long may it continue. And hopefully, um, you know, in a, in a few months' time, we'll be talking about new owners. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what we can talk about is the visit of Port Vale on Tuesday night, live at 8pm at the Stade de Medeski. We are going to do a preview of that after this short break. There's another huge game ahead for the Royals. So be loud and be proud for the big match preview. Alrighty, Port Vale at home, part two. Um, Tuesday night for those guys, difficult to, to get down. I understand that, but needs must. Um, they've just brought in Darren Moore, who is a manager that I have I've sort of quite liked from afar in, in, yeah. in previous years. Um, I know he's not he's not really done very well at all at the last few clubs he's Ooh. been at. And I guess if you talk to Huddersfield fans, they would um yeah, they would bomb him out straight away. But he does come across as a pretty articulate manager. Um, has some interesting ideas, some some kind of good ideas of how and he to got. Set up it was worth saying, Ben. He Didn't got Sheffield well, Wednesday promoted last season, and, and he had and he got them he to. Did. He had them come back from a four 0 deficit in a playoff leg, which is that's even more impressive for for my money. Um, I think he's yeah, he's one of those that, managers yeah. that's been a bit mistreated in his career so far. From my money, he's run into some tricky situations. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, that's what happened at Wednesday, wasn't it? He ran into um, Chancery and yeah. you know, he's a difficult owner, isn't he, himself? Yeah. There's a theme, isn't there? Maybe owners don't know about football. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I, I felt nice. you guys put, made some fantastic points a moment ago about, um, you know, like how they, the, the owner has to connect with the community and all these kinds of things. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when a football club's not winning, it's really easy for the atmosphere to go out the window. Um, and, and just having mm. a football owner who understands football as well, I think is important. Well, it didn't work on Saturday. You know, they lost 3 2 uh, to Cheltenham, uh, relegation rivals. They are currently uh, 22nd place, sat on 31 points, minus 16 goal difference. Um, but they have got three games in hand on us at the moment. Um, Sarah, Despite the fact that Port Vale are yeah. our new buddies, do you think that we will win the game on Tuesday? 
I do think we'll win the game on Tuesday and they are our buddies and it's sad because I, I don't want to be the club that sends Port Vale down, but we do need the points. Hmm. I think the positive thing, they've got enough time yeah. to turn it around, right? So even if they, they continue that losing streak that they're currently on uh, against us on Tuesday, they've still got time to turn it around. Um, well, anyway, yeah, it's good. It's good to, to, to have those guys back. And if you haven't listened to it, we did a pod few weeks ago now with with Mark sort of in the wake of the the abandonment of the game against them in, in January and he was he was great he was really really good guy very knowledgeable very passionate about his football club and you know we, we do hope that Port Vale managed to, to stay out of it um but we've got we've got to concentrate on ourselves um sounds cliche but we do need those three points um Ross changes for Tuesday yes or no and if yes who are you bringing in? Um, I think we're probably just reverting, you know, to obviously, obviously, we, as long as the injury situation um, is it has progressed and then Smith can start a game, you know, and and Yidam is fine again um, and all those things. I, I would probably bring Savage back in because how many more weeks of this season are we going to play two teams who are below us in the table? I, I doubt it happens again unless we, you know, we don't lose again for, for another month like we just did. So... Um, yeah, I, we got to win this one. Um, and I think we will. And I think we'll bring in Savage. We'll bring in Smith. Kelvin will probably start on the left. And, uh, yeah, I, I see us winning this one by, by a couple of goals. I, I think Reading need to, and something we'll talk about when we do another tactics podcast next month, I think will be how Reading, sort of expand their play um, to become more attacking and more goal scoring. And I think this is a team that we can actually have a go at that with. So, yeah, I'd like to see us bring Savage and, and Smith back in. I mean, the next block of games, obviously Port Vale at home on Tuesday. Uh, that's followed by Shrewsbury at home on, on Saturday. Uh, Carlisle away, Wickham at home, uh, Derby away, and then uh, Cambridge United at home on the 16th of March. Um, there's points there, Sarah, right? Do you think by the time we go across to, across? Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Across to Bristol at the end of March, we will be all but safe? Or do you think we will still be no, I think, in a I bit think of a battle? Safe. I think we're going to have a really good run in the next few games and hopefully we'll be in a nice safe position by then. I mean, mathematically, I, I mean, it, we, we could well be safe by the 23rd of March. That's more likely to be the 29th of March when we welcome Northampton. Um, but, you know, after that game, we've got five games left, all in April. So, you know, you'd want to be getting to that Easter Monday clash against Bolton um, mm -hmm. and, and being safe. But again, football's football's football, right? So we, we can only hope that that's the case. And, you know, I, I think we've got enough to stay up. I really do. And I, I saw enough yesterday in those sort of opening 35 minutes to to really think, actually, we, we can do this. Um, but, we you know, we have to keep picking up those points and, and hopefully we can we can do that on Tuesday. Um, we will be back next Sunday uh, with Ryan. He's going to come uh, on his first appearance of 2024. I think he was last on sort of before Christmas, so it'd be good to welcome him back. Um, Sarah, have you enjoyed yourself on this pod? I've loved it, but you didn't mention the protest that's happening at the Port Vale game. Oh, you've got to. Come Do on. Do that now then. You can't remember everything. I'm only a co-host. Go Everybody on. Everybody will be Talk given about a piece of red card as they enter the stadium. 
and on the 16th minute we'll be holding up our red cards to say uh, no to bad ownership in football because Holt Vale did that themselves that was the protest they did way back mm. so we're doing it's a bit of an homage to them a bit of a friendship thing and also a, a message should make a really good photo we, we're giving cards to the away fans as well so everybody going in will get a little bit of card to hold up in the 16th love it do you you still need volunteers don't you uh, I think we're pretty much sorted. I think we need maybe a couple more, but we, sh- we should be all right. I mean, if anyone wants to help out, what's what's the best way to do that? Go through Sell Before yeah, We Die? Yeah, just message into Sell Before We Die and say that they, they'd like to help out. What would be really helpful, if anyone is there, is if they pick up their red card at the end and drop it by the exit to save the cleaners having to do a load of extra work. Mm. That would be really good. Good point. Yeah, good point. Nice. Um and I guess they'll be recycled in a response. Let's make our. We might hold on to them in case we have to do it again, or we can use them for something else. But yeah, we don't want them just getting thrown away. No, we want to act like the Japanese fans at the World Cup, cleaning up nicely after the game. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, my bad. That's that's completely my fault. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, there is that protest on on Tuesday night. Um, uh, you know, brought to you in association with Sell Before We Die. Don't know what I'm talking about. It's been a long day. Um, but yeah, if you if you go into the game, pick up a red card, hold it on the 16th minute um, and, and kind of continue to protest with our friends, Port Vale, uh, at the game on Tuesday. Um, anything else you want to pick me up on, Sarah, or is that pretty much it? Are we done? Um, no, but I'd like to mention, I'd like another plug, actually. Can I get, plug something out? Definitely. Well, yeah. <laughs> the 9th of March, which is a home game against Wickham, uh, Star have got a, a singer, a busker performing in the fan zone. Nice. So we're trying to get. Is it the, is it the Amazons? No. <laughs> is it for one conclusion? <laughs> Nobody's really, really good. He's a really good busker. Um, oh my God, it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> actually, it does sound a bit like Ed Sheeran. Um, Can you give us a name or not? Is it Secret Squirrel? Um, I don't know. Well, I could do. He's called Finn Flood. Nice. You can look him up on Instagram or TikTok. He's really big on TikTok. Um, and he's going to be performing in the fan zone for us. So we're going to try and have a few sort of fun events to make home games a bit fun for the rest of the season. I love it. How fun? Well, How much fun? Lots of fun. Nice. All right. What else you got planned? Go on, I'm interested now. Um, well, there might be another special day, the last game of the season. <gasps> is it inflatable style? No, that's the away game, isn't no. it? Something special, maybe for the last home game. But I'll let you know. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, thanks. You got to say, well, it has to be said, since Sarah took over Star, obviously it's been a busy period for Reading, but there's been more coming out of that organization than I've ever seen in the time that I've been, you know, following the team. So good on you, Sarah. Thank you. Communication is key, isn't it? That's 100%. what we've got to do. We've got to listen to people and try and communicate and see what we can do to try and improve the experience. Yep. Agree completely. That is true. Yeah. Communication is nine tenths of the law. So, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, all jokes aside, like, I, you know, Sarah knows that I, I think she's great and, and what she does is fantastic. And there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of work to do and, as there is with every area of the club, but I think it's all manageable, as I said earlier. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think we're sort of slowly moving in the right direction, and and ultimately the 
the real proof of the pudding is, is to get a new owner in and move forward together as a group and, and continue to whatever, be positive. I don't know. Just, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Now. It's all bed, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you have a nice. Do you want me? Yeah, to I think this I've one? had enough. And do you know what's <laughs> weird as well? Like I've tried to, I tried to connect my new um, microphone, and I've, I've realised that I've spent the whole of the pod talking into yeah. it like this, <laughs> like literally right this, but it's, it's not plugged in because well, I can't get it to work. Um, so hopefully, Ross is going to talk me through that in a week, and we can actually get it set up. But, um, yeah, we'll work it out for you. Don't something. worry. Don't worry. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. Have a wonderful thank week. Thank you very much, um, you, and see you all on Tuesday. Thanks, thanks for coming on. And Ross, have a thank you. Have a nice time. No, Don't that's all right. That's all right. Um, I'm going to put up yeah. some footage, by the way, this week of uh, played a football match on a frozen lake yesterday. So uh, look out for that. Non Reading related, but football related. I'm going to put that out later. Yeah. Ooh, that's um, that's throwing me. Yeah, very nice. Cool. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, have a good week everybody Uh, let's hope for two wins on the bounce and we will see you next Sunday come on you arts